Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Smith from Unlocking the Cage. On today's podcast, the UFC slays the pay-per-view buys for UFC 264. Conor McGregor claims he had stress fractures before UFC 264. Do you believe it? And John Nash from Bloody Elbow helped me break down the numbers for UFC 264. The one thing Conor is great at, all right, no matter you love him, hate him, whatever, the mother effer sells. This is according to bloodyelbow.com. Once again, we'll have John Nash and Bloody Elbow to join us at 3.30 to break this down. UFC 264 draws 1.8 million pay-per-view buys on course for second highest selling card in UFC history. As expected, UFC 264 turned out to be a huge success on pay-per-view with the event selling 1.8 million buys. John Orend of the Sports Business Journal reports that 1.3 million of the buys were sold in the United States, with an additional 500,000 sold internationally. Guys, here's a little context. Half a million ain't bad, period. Period. And they're like, all right, we sold half a million buys. That's a damn good buy rate. They did that international. They did that outside of the United States. Bruh. 1.3 million in the U.S. by itself? What? Raining dollars, right? The preliminary fights were also watched by 1.6 million viewers, making it ESPN's most viewed program on Saturday. <laughs> okay, it fell considerably short of the record-breaking 2.4 million buys that McGregor hit with Khabib. Uh, but hey, whatever. Looking at second. Second ain't bad. She, 1.8 million times $70. It's $126 million. 100, like, that's not gate. Remember, you had live fans. It's not gate. That's not advertising. That's not what it costs to have a commercial on that thing, right? That's not what it costs to have something on the octagon during that show. That's just pay-per-view buys, people. Crazy, right? You can, you can love them. You can hate them, right? But the guy can sell. The mother effer can sell. It's insane, all right? Here are top pay-per-view buys. Uh, apparently, this is cross-sport. This is all-time. Number one, Mayweather-Pacquiao. 4.6 million. 4.6 million for Mayweather versus Pacquiao. Understandable. It's a fight we're looking forward to for a long time. Two greatest boxers of their generation. Not really in their prime anymore, but people were still looking forward to it. 4.6. What's next? Uh, guns, what's next? What's number two? Uh, from four down to, well, you said 2.4 was Connor. Uh, right, so what is number two all time? I can't well, believe it's taking it, this is long. Is it a Tyson? Is you're it a Tyson? Yeah, pay per views both, both boxing and Yeah, it's probably right. a Tyson fight. I was Mayweather fight. McGregor, 4.3 million buys. 4.3 million buys. Mayweather versus McGregor. A fight that was not competitive at all. You couldn't even sell me was competitive. 4.3 million. The next, Khabib versus McGregor, 2.4 million. Number four, Mayweather versus Canelo, 2.2 million. Then Poirier McGregor, 3, 1.8 million. After that, it's McGregor Poirier, 2, 1.6 million. After that, it's Diaz McGregor, 2, 1.6 million. It's insane. It's insane. 
I can't, like, it's nuts. It's nuts how much money this guy is generating. So look, at, we're looking at all time. All time. All pay-per-views ever done. This is fourth. I'm sorry, fifth. Fifth all time. He also has number six. He also has number seven. He also has number nine. He also has number ten. And it's, it's crazy. Of the top ten, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven contain Conor McGregor. That's insanity. Insanity. So, like, when, when we had it, uh, you were on, were you not, uh, KOB, when, when, when somebody asked me, oh, yeah, you were, you were, it was yesterday, it was a mailback question. Why do you guys talk about McGregor? How has our phone been this week, KOB? Lighting up. Packed! Like a Christmas tree. Packed! I have no idea how many people listen to this show. I could be babbling to myself, KOB and guns. I have no idea. But it seems like fan interest is really high during a McGregor week. Or a post-McGregor week. Or a two weeks after a McGregor week. Okay? No one gets rich. And this is just in TV. This is just what, if you're in sales, all right? I'm telling you right now. One of the best pieces of advice I was ever given. No one got rich telling people what they wanted. You get rich finding out what people want and giving it to them. Period. So we should. This person should. This is more, uh, this makes more ethical sense this person deserves this is right this is wrong scrub those words out of your vocabulary when it comes to uh dana white and the ufc what makes us the most money conor mcgregor will that last forever no and we'll discuss that today but right now the guy is still coming off a loss coming off a knockout first one of his career he sold 1.8 million bucks uh, 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 success. That's it. It's a success. But it's a success. But on the it's a success. It made a ton of money. At the end of the day, that's what makes the world go round. That's what Dana White and the UFC care about. That's what the owners care about. And they made a ton of money. Does that number surprise you with the factors I just said, Kobe? Coming off a loss, first knock of his career, looking a little shaky. I thought that generated more interest probably, right? Oh, yeah. Dude, we love a – despite what you might think of a fighter, we love like a comeback or just right. to see how right. they respond from adversity because he had already done it once before. He lost to Nate Diaz, and then he came back won that fight, although some some crazy people still think Nate won that fight. Um, but we like seeing that, and especially like this feels like a good rivalry, like him and Poirier. Right. For, for, uh, for no title being on the line, it's one of the better rivalries you'll ever see. So – yeah, I was not surprised to see if Dustin Poirier, people, especially when you consider how the first fight went, too, with round one, looking like Connor might get close to finishing it and then getting finished in the second. So, yeah, this number makes a lot of sense to me, given all like the subplots and storylines that were going into it. Um, I was talking to, you know, Fernanda Prates, we've had her on the show a couple times, MMA journalist yep. from Brazil. She's, she's fantastic. Anyway, um, I work for ESPN International. I turned them on to her. I was like, hey, you should, you know, should bring her in. And she we did an interview with her on my UFC Fight Camp show. And it's she had a very interesting take. I was like, hey, do you think he's still up amongst the elite? And she goes, maybe it could be Poirier just has his number, right? It could just be stylistically, at this point in his career, Poirier has his number. And we always look for this, right, is the foil, right? We look for the foil. We look for this fighter has X, Y, and Z, but God, this fighter has this. And they just mesh well, right? 
Ali Frazier, one of the greatest foils of all time. The dancer, I'm so pretty. Light on my feet, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, versus the blue-collar Philadelphia guy who had a left hook from hell. And his team were like, this is a quote, by the way, we didn't know he could tie his shoes with his right hand. He was so limited. We didn't know he could do anything with his right hand. He just had a crazy good left hand. And it was a great foil, right? The militant um, taking a stand politically versus the guy who was seen unfairly as kind of the hard hat Nixon guy, which isn't fair, but it's what was put on him. They foiled perfectly, right? And, you know, Hagler, you know, Marvin Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, the golden boy who got everything versus the blue collar guy from Brockton, Massachusetts, who was under the radar forever until he started winning. So we always want that foil. And Guns, I'm going to ask you as as the Connor Nuthugger, which you still are, uh, do you see P- Poye as kind of his foil, right? That perfect rival for uh, Conor McGregor. Yeah, I think they match up well. I think that, you know, the fact that you have had the trilogy already and the fact that, uh, y- yes, I th- I, because I think a lot of people like Dustin to begin with. And he's kind of a reason- blue collar guy, right? Doesn't yeah. talk a lot, worked his way up, et cetera. Com- completely. Yeah. I think Dustin's a good guy and uh, to begin with, plus you're bringing in Connor's aspect. So, yes, like, besides Connor, like, I like Dustin. I think Dustin's awesome. I mean, he's crushing it, and he's been crushing it for years. So, I think it's just, it's a perfect, perfect rivalry, especially when you <laughs> when you look and see that he's doing what he's doing to Connor as well. Like, come on. For everybody who hates Connor, Dustin's your savior. <laughs> yeah, it is great. I, I got him. It is great to watch. Um, so it's 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 all those things combined that I think drew. I know Connor always draws average fans, but I think maybe as you said that rivalry story, that comeback story, that man is Connor really what we thought he was? All that curiosity, the questions make fights interesting, not the answers. The questions make fights interesting. The question was: Can Connor McGregor overcome a guy after his first the first knockout loss of his career? After being a nice guy exchanging hot sauce, and then it's it's back to MF him and his wife and all this stuff. Will that trash talk put him back over the top? The old Conor McGregor, will he come back and win? All right. Um, what does he have left in the tank? Is he the same guy? Finally, for the first time in, you know, I, I, five years, fighting consistently, right? Fought back-to-back, which is rare. Um, all of those questions made for a compelling fight. ESPN and the UFC did everything they could to put this fight over the top. There was promotion, 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 because you know you're going to make your money back. All those things combined for this perfect storm to make this another out-of-the-park home run for Conor McGregor. Another out-of-the-park, unbelievable home run for Conor McGregor and the UFC and everybody who backed him. So why is this that important, Jimmy? Right? Why is this that important? Every step that the UFC has made, for which it deserves, in my opinion, ample criticism. Meaning, the dolly at the bus, right? All the antics of Conor McGregor stepping over the line habitually to places that other fighters get reprimanded for. And you know what occurred to me, KOB, a couple days ago? What's that? When Frank Mir got booted from the WEC for saying he was going to kill Brock Lesnar. Remember he lost his commentary gig? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Connor says he's going to kill his wife and Poirier, and we've heard nothing. But you remember that? Dana was like, that's disgusting, and he was taken off the mic. 
I forgot about that. And then I remember, like, wait, 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 wait. When we talk about fighters killing one another, because fighters do say that sometimes. The one who made it, he said he was going to have the only in-octagon death would be Brock Lesnar, if you remember that. Frank Mir said that. Lost his commentary gig. There were consequences. None for Conor McGregor. So that's what I mean of this. If you want to say rule bending or there not being a rule at all in the first place, all those decisions justified in the minds of the people who own the UFC, who make money off the UFC, all that's justified. We did the right thing. Take those 1.8 million pay-per-view buys, put that in the bank, and forget everything else. And trust me, they will. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. This is Conor McGregor on his official Instagram, okay, talking about uh, apparently an injury that just nobody knew about, all right? Nobody knew about it. Let's hear about his motivation. Here's Conor himself. It was a great job that was done on it, and I was like, yes, I've got this. It's going to be easy. I'm going to do this, no problem. And then I hit a wall, then I was like, you know, I've got, I'm in a bit of pain, I'm in a lot of pain. My mobility is, you know, I'm going to be like this for a while. It's going to take, it's not going to be, it's not going to be, a, you know, it's not going to be a few days or even a few weeks. It's going to be a bit of, a bit of time. So I kind of went, went into a little rut after that, but, yeah, now, I know there's going to be ups and downs on this journey that I'm going to be on and I'm aware of them now and I'm just a bit more happy, a bit more accepting of it and, you know, motivated to keep going. Good for you. Well, it's been working out all right, kind of so far. Okay, it's not like you haven't made a lot of money. There's not a lot of, you know, like, hey, man, it's a tough journey and it's the road that's really tough. Like, yeah, but I don't know. You ain't starving to death. You know what I mean? It's like, does this strike you as inspirational as other people's rants about this kind of stuff, Guns? No, I don't think so. He's a journeyman, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's really to tough, him, right? You know? We can all relate to the guy who picks himself up by his bootstraps and figures it out, right? You know what I mean? Right? With $100 million in the bank, you know? There are ups and downs, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Just <than> like that. <laughs> us. Right, right. Just like us. Just like we would. It's freaking ridiculous. Okay, I, I, I got to point that out. So, this is the interesting part. Talking about injuries or an injury that he had before he stepped in, right? Before he stepped into the octagon, he had a major problem. Let's hear what it was. And I'm motivated to go and do this. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to come back. The leg is better than ever. I was, I was injured going into the fight. Let's, people are asking me, when was the leg broke? Uh, what, at what point did the leg break? Ask Dana White, ask the UFC, ask Dr. Davidson, the, the head doctor of the UFC. They knew I was, my leg, I had a stress fractures in my leg going into that cage. There was debate about pulling the thing out because I was sparring with no shin pads and I was kicking, I kicked the knee a few times. So I had multiple stress fractures in the shin bone above the ankle. And then I have trouble with the ankle anyway, do you know what I mean? Throughout the years of fucking fighting all the time. 
Okay. So ask everybody. Ask Dana White. Ask the UFC. Ask anybody. I was hurt going into this. I want your thoughts, of course, loyal fans. One eight seven seven fight ninety three. One eight seven seven three four 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 eight nine three. Before we uh, move on to this, um, anyone surprised by this, Kobe? Anyone surprised? <sighs> Here's the deal: something had to be wrong with the leg either before or during the fight. So maybe, During, maybe sure. yeah, maybe Dustin yeah. was right, and he th- he threw one that you know really weakened it because I've never seen anyone's like leg from the ankle down cave like that from aside from like when you see people on trampolines. That's about the only time I've ever seen that happen. Like I've never seen someone's leg just break from taking a step, uh, you know, an awkward misstep backward. So something had to be wrong. I just don't know if I buy that it was before the fight necessarily. Right, and my blanket statement, and he has more to say about it, we'll get to it, is it once you step into the octagon, all excuses about how hurt you are going in are done. If you are healthy enough to get in there and fight, you can't make any excuses. If you were, oh, I was sick, I was, well, then don't fight. Don't fight. I'm sick, I'm hurt. If you had pulled out because of stress fractures in his leg – I'm not one of those guys, oh, he's scared, he doesn't want any aporia. I would have been like, okay, then, Jesus, stress fractures in the leg, that's a mother effort, right? You don't want to take on someone as dangerous as Dustin Poirier uh, with anything wrong with you physically. You don't. And, you know, I, I, there's, there's no other way to say it. If you aren't 100%, you don't, want to, you don't want to take this guy on. You do not. So, anyway... That's the deal to me. Once you get in there, and once you do that, once you step into the octagon, you're saying, I am healthy. I can keep going. I can continue. Period. End of sentence. I'm all right. Don't worry about me. Okay? So I don't believe in any excuses pre-fight. I don't. If it's that bad, don't fight. I'm not going to disrespect you. For saying, you know, eh, you know, got hurt, not gonna fight. Yeah, if you don't want to fight a guy's dangerous, it doesn't point unless you're hundred percent. But, you know, excuses are over, man. You got in there. So that's how I feel about it. So, um this but, is but, but do you do you expect him really to he's never gonna divulge ahead of time what his injury or what don't fight. Ma- Oh, so you think, okay. Don't fight. I I got stress fractures in my leg. I I can't do it. I've never once, killed me, you can back me up on this, ever disrespected a fighter for pulling out for an injury. It happens. I'd rather you do that than do this. Then, you know, have a bad performance. Oh, well, I was hurt. Well, if you were so hurt, don't fight. I hate this kind of stuff. I I agree with you there, and you are correct. I've never seen you go, oh, this loser. Like, he just doesn't want to fight. I've never seen Jimmy Smith do that. But the problem is the great deal of the MMA community. A lot of people do. Yeah. 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 But if you're worried about what the kids on the playground think, you're in the wrong sport. I don't know what to tell you. If it's like, oh, socially I was, you know, terrified of what people were going to say on Twitter. Like, all right, you're in the wrong sport, man. don't know what to tell you. All right? Well, so, would, you, would you agree, though, that he has way more pressure on him, though, than the average person to not pull out of a fight, though? I, I somewhat – let's say let's say it's true. He did have stretch fractures in his leg. Like, dude, this whole pay-per-view is riding on you and Poirier as the main event. Like, I feel like he has more pressure on him as the star that he is to still show up for the fight. 
pressure is I can't pay my rent if I don't fight. <laughs> don't know what that, bro. Like, you know, he's, pressure doesn't apply to people with $100 million. They don't have pressure. I know UFC fighters who, were like, who fought hurt and fought injured because they couldn't afford their rent if they didn't fight. I, I'm like, dude, I didn't want to fight. I knew I was hurt, but I got to pay a mortgage and I can't do it if I don't fight. I'm getting paid eight grand. I need that eight grand. So that's pressure, people. That's pressure. A guy with $100 million in the bank doesn't have pressure. Will people be disappointed? Wah, wah, wah in my pool, right? Wah, wah, wah sitting in my jacuzzi is really rough. You, that's not pressure, people. There have been fighters that I have known that were like, if I don't fight, I don't eat tomorrow. So they have to. He didn't have to. All right? So this is more on the leg injury leading up to the fight. Let's hear it. And I also was wrapping my ankle. I was wrapping my ankle every, every training session. You know, I even done a lot of uh, training sessions where when the ankle was sore, I still wouldn't stop training. I used to just train on my back. And that's how I developed those uh, those ground and pound shots from the back. That's why Dustin backed away when we were on when he was on top of me, and I was landing the up kicks and the elbows and all. It's a horrible place to be in when someone when you're against someone like me. You can't land. It takes so much effort to try and land shots from your top position, and while you're trying to do that and you're losing your energy, you're getting lumped over by downward elbows and vicious up kicks. And it was a skill I developed because I had the the damaged leg. And I had to adjust me training. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you saw the fight. I saw. I would definitely rather be the guy on top landing the elbows and the forearms that Dustin Poirier was landing than be the guy on than be the guy on the bottom and land those shots from my back. I'm sorry. I would much rather, for sure, be Dustin Poirier in those positions than Conor McGregor. Period. End of sentence. Okay. Period. So, obviously, that's ridiculous. We all saw it. That's what it is, okay? Connor can say whatever he likes. We all saw the same fight. But we'll see how he heals up, how everything goes. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL. Taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. I have a special guest. And who is that special guest? That's right. From BloodyElbow.com, it's John Nash. <laughs> All right. I, 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 a whole litany of questions. But my first one is, uh, when people ask me, why does the UFC accommodate Conor McGregor? Why does he throw a dolly to bus and there are no consequences? He's fine. And he's fine. Why does Frank Mir lose his commentary job talking about killing Brock Lesnar? And Conor McGregor talks about killing Poirier and his wife and there are zero consequences. When 1.8 million pay-per-view buys is being reported, I point to that and I go, that's why. Am I wrong? No, that's that's 100%. If the guy's uh, he's a money machine. He's an ATM. He's the bank. So when you look at this, a half a million buys, which is a damn good number for most pay-per-views, half a million buys is, is rock solid. It's really, really good. He got that international 
1.3 million in the United States, man. Uh, does it surprise you a little bit considering uh, first knockout loss? Uh, it was a trilogy with no title on the line. It didn't seem to have the gravitas and the importance of other fights he had had previously in his career. And yet it sold so incredibly well. Was that surprising to you at all? It, it actually was. I mean, I, I thought he would do well, but considering he's on a downward slope of, you know, he's what he, he's won one fight in the last, if you count the Mayweather fight, he's won one fight in his last five now. Yeah. So, five years. So that's a, uh, that's a lot of losing for people to keep buying pay-per-views, but he's kind of entered that Mike Tyson category where it just doesn't matter. He's just, he's a persona. I mean, I, I compared him before to Oscar De La Hoya because Oscar at the end of his career would win and lose and win and lose and do these huge numbers and he'd make stars. He's doing it. But no, I, Oscar still occasionally, if he didn't have the right opponent, the numbers would fall, but Connor, every, the numbers just keep getting larger. This, this fight did better than the last fight, which did better than against Connor. I mean, against Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, so it's, it's amazing. The, the, worse he does the more he sells it's weird isn't it i had somebody uh i think it was also on mad dog radio monday post fight and he threw me kind of a curveball he goes so jimmy you know what's coming up that that is really exciting and i went if you're a if you're a dork like me dillashaw sanhagen i guess would be a main event that's interesting uh cyril gone versus Derek lewis is gonna be fun it's for an interim title, which I think is totally ridiculous. But if you look at the slate until at least November, December, there isn't, you know, Volkanovski, Ortega. Okay, no crossover appeal to any of those. Um, is it tough at this point in, in, in terms of what the UFC is doing, in terms of like a card every weekend, to get anywhere near those Connor numbers? Do you see how it's... They're so Connor dependent when you look at these other cards that, you know, I'm going to watch them, but I don't know how many other people will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first, I, I, I should say I don't think they're dependent on Connor because as much as he sells, and this event, I estimate, did about $100 million in revenue total. The UFC's contractual revenue for the event was probably $20 million guaranteed. So this, Connor and Poirier together, it wasn't just Connor, Connor and Poirier, because right. every time he fights them, it does, you know, he does, those two do bigger numbers than they did against Cerrone. So you got to give Dustin a little credit. That those two added 80 million to the revenue, but 80 million is still less than 10% of the overall UFC revenue per year. So he adds a lot to the UFC, but he's not a make or break guy. This is like Canelo when he was with Golden Boy, and he's 80% of all the revenue Golden Boy brings in. If they don't have Golden Boy, they're a minor pr promoter, which they are now. So it's a little different than that they don't need him, but he is like he's the sprinkles on top. No one else is adding sprinkles to the Sunday for the UFC. He's the guy that does that. Uh, and so that's why, you know, and I think part of it is in, in, com in the fight business, there's always a big fight occasionally. Every year there's usually one and it, it takes off and doesn't need much press because there's so much interest in it. Mayweather Pacquiao had that. There was so much interest in these two that it's just, they didn't even have to do marketing. The marketing, I think I've heard once they didn't spend any on marketing because they got free press everywhere. Right. Connor's the one guy that the UFC doesn't put effort in because, because of all of his antics, because of everything they had before, Whenever he comes back to fight, there's so much attention that everybody's aware of the fight and tunes in. I think they, it reminds people that are casuals, oh, there's a fight on Conor McGregor. There, there's no extra energy that has to be put into it. The only fight that I could see right now that could do kind of Conor McGregor numbers is uh, John Jones versus Ngannou. Because I've talked to you know people, out, other promoters and stuff, and a lot of them do think that's the type of fight because the backstory, even though neither one has a pay-per-view record like Connor, you put them together and it has a story that is so intriguing. 
so so important to the you know for the divisions in, in the in the sport and the legacies of these two guys that it would get a ton of attention and you do much more num- much bigger numbers than either of those guys ever do on their own. All right. Uh, speaking of course to John Nash, bloodyelbow.com. Is it surprising to you then that you know basically Dana White has put the 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 squash on that one? He's not willing to pay the money. We see that. Of course, um, Francis Ngannou not being stripped, but there being an, an interim title between Cyril Gaon and Derek Lewis to kind of, I, don't, I guess, take the shine a little bit off of um, Ngannou or let him know we don't need you. Are you surprised the fight's being treated that way, considering it might generate Conor numbers? No, not really, because if I, I guess I, I am surprised in a sense. Normally, I think, yeah, they definitely make it right away, but it, it depends on what John Jones is asking for. Now, John Jones, you know, they, they say he's asking for Deontay Wilder numbers, but he says he's not. He says it's, I, he's hinted it's about $15 million guaranteed, which doesn't sound too ridiculous. But they're not – I think they're, they're, the UFC's thinking is they don't want to open – wages are sticky. You know, people don't like giving raises because it's sticky. They like giving bonuses. And so doing a, a increase to Ngannou and, uh, and uh, Jones's purses sets up the, the precedent that everybody can get these larger purses. The difference is McGregor is so guaranteed every time he comes out, you can probably guarantee him a large purse because you know every fight's going to do that. You don't want to start doing that for other fights because you're not sure if they're going to sell that much. This one might do gangbusters, but future ones might not. So I'm not shocked by that because they don't want to upend their business model. Uh, what about the fight, the nuts and bolts of Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, the third fight? Was there anything in there other than him stepping back and breaking his leg? Uh, was there anything that surprised you during the fight itself? I'm curious about that. Uh, I, I guess I was a little surprised how all out Conor came out because I knew he was going to press it and he was saying it, was, but he really went all the leg kicks. He was trying, he was throwing the kitchen sink at Dustin and and I don't want to read psychologically, but it seemed kind of out of desperation. Like right. he was, you know, he so badly wanted the win. He was going to come out and steamroll Poirier because he didn't want to, he didn't want to be in the cage longer than he had to. That's the one part that shocked me. But beyond that, I mean, just the, the, it, it was one round and I was floored that his leg broke or his foot broke. And I was, I was the, the aftermath of the comments afterwards, I think sucked up all the auction of the event itself. What do you think about those? I, I recently, you know, I just, you were listening. I had callers and I had a full bank of calls wanting to talk about kind of the future of Conor McGregor and what they think those comments kind of do for his popularity, his marketability. What do you think the thoughts are behind the scenes of the UFC, Dana White? What do they think about comments like that? Are they publicly uh, condemning them a little bit? He said he didn't like family being brought in, but secretly going, hey, great, whatever sells his pay-per-views. What do you think the attitude is behind the scenes? Well, I think they're pleased in the sense that they know it's, it did gangbusters numbers and they know Connor's going to do gangbusters be, uh, going forward. I think, I mean, it might turn off a lot of fans and people will not, you know, won't hate him, but I mean, Mike Tyson bit Vander Holyfield's ear, you know, twice in a match. Oh, I remember. And, and, and it didn't kill him as a pay-per-view. In fact, uh, when he fought Lewis, it did bigger numbers. So the, it doesn't kill you as a pay-per-view attraction being an awful person. In fact, it, it actually makes a new image for Connor. He's the villain now, and everybody can't wait to see him lose more and, and get beat up or so they can laugh at his fans. So that'll that'll make it more of an interest. I think for the UFC point of view, I think they they seriously probably are like, listen, we don't need that. We don't wanna we don't wanna ele- we don't wanna escalate this stuff further than we have to. We have a very the the business is already really good. We don't have to go much further. 
but at the same time, they're not going to like, you know, suspend Con or anything because they, they're going to want him to fight again. He adds, like I said, he's adding 50, 60, 100 million events, you know, uh, revenue every time he fights. That's too good of money to turn down. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, but I got to ask, speaking to John Nash from BloodyElbow.com, uh, when you look at the current landscape of the UFC, is there anyone on the horizon? Because, you know, Conor's not going to fight forever. Had a broken leg. Wouldn't take much to have another catastrophic injury that might take longer and longer and longer. When you look at the horizon of the UFC, is there anybody you think, okay, these names can carry this company for the next few years? You won't get another Conor, but these are the names over the next few years. Who jumps out to you? Uh, well, I think Engano has a really good chance. He just has the look of a, a heavyweight champion, especially when he's not, he's just knocking people out. I think he can, he can, he can keep going and selling a lot. I think Adesanya has a good chance. He has the charisma. I mean, he, he took a little bit of a hit going back. I think the big thing is, um, you know, I mean, Poye is actually in a position to be a pay-per-view attraction. Now. I don't think he's going to be nearly as big as like Conor McGregor or even Nate Diaz, but he beat a superstar twice. And you can see the numbers he did with Connor were better than they were Cerrone. So I think he probably got a rub if he when he fights for the title. If they do that title match next, which I hope they probably should do, if he be if he wins, if he beats Oliveira, I first I think that fight will sell decent. Let's say five six hundred thousand, which is a very you know people overestimate what the UFC often sells on pay per views. That's a very solid number. You're talking right. you know, you're talking twenty million dollar in revenue just from that, and then. If he beats, if he wins and holds the title, I think he's a serious pay-per-view attraction. Nothing like Connor again, but you know, in the in the upper five hundred thousand, six seven hundred thousand character, I wouldn't be surprised if he's that kind of attraction after that. Uh, an interesting kind of contradiction or rub or problem, however you want to put it, is yes, Connor wants another shot at Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier would not turn money of fighting Connor McGregor a fourth time, but let's say. As you laid out, and I happen to agree, Dustin Poirier fights Charles Oliveira. Let's say, for argument's sake, Poirier comes out on top in that fight. That means you got to give Conor McGregor, who, as you pointed out, has not had a significant win in five years, hasn't won at 155 in five years. He would get an immediate title shot coming off of leg surgery uh, against Dustin Poirier. In order to make that happen, he has to take on the champ. Do you see that happening? No. I I think in some way they'll... I mean, the UFC, I think I'm sure they would, it's not like they have to preserve the integrity of the sport, but I think they do want to preserve something of the integrity of the titles because they, they have value and they don't want to dilute them too much. So I, I would be surprised if Connor gets someone, maybe a much easier opponent. To, and then after that, you put him against Poirier. But if I'm Poirier, if he's listening, if you win the lightweight champion title, you've got a ton of leverage. you got a ton. I would... I would look in and, you know, there's just probably, I'm actually, I know there's ways you can calculate what the UFC is willing to pay maximum. They have a maximum they're willing to pay. I would go all out. I would ask for millions and millions of guaranteed money plus a pay-per-view back end. You, what are they going to do? You're an attraction now and they're not going to have you defend the title or fight uh, Connor after that. You, he would really be, would be one of the few times a fighter would be in the driver's seat. Uh, what does it take, in your opinion? And it seems like this sometimes this magic number. Uh, GSP said that his contract was running out. He's about to fight John Fitch. And he made it clear that he didn't want to resign, that he'd fight Fitch and see what happened. And the USC came back with a lot of money. He happened to get his contract uh, to run out right when he. They, the UFC felt like they weren't in a great position, and they came back with a lot of money. What does it take? And then John Jones gives up his title, moves up to heavyweight, and can't seem to get anything done. It's like he left that leverage behind when he left the 205-pound uh, title. What, to you, is that magic formula 
of timing and what you have to get big money from UFC. What is it in your opinion? Well, first I should say, uh, I'm not totally sold on GSP's storyline about the amount of money <laughs> he made and leverage. I mean, right. he made good money, but like, you know, that before he said in the past, I made four to five million a fight. I'm like, Canadian dollars. Yes. It was not, that was not us dollars. That was Canadian dollars. I have no people that know the contracts and he made good money. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what he was making for a lot of those fights. He was making good money, but if you look at Canelo Alvarez, who's selling close to the same at the time, he was not making Canelo Alvarez money. Let's put no. it that way. So what it takes is one, you got to be a, a draw. You got to be a pay-per-view draw. If you're a pay-per-view draw, you can start asking for money. Uh, two, you, you should hold a title. If you hold a belt or title and you're recognized as the number one fighter, you have some leverage because that's a person they can't let go anywhere else because the number one fighter, if he goes to another promotion, he can make a star. You beating the number one guy can potentially turn you into a superstar. So they want to protect and make sure those guys never leave the UFC. So the most you can usually get is you can ask for, you know, Connor's a little special because he draws so big, but for the big guys, the GSPs, the Jones, after you've held the title, look like you're going to hold it for a while and you use that leverage, you can ask for several million dollars guaranteed, not just your reported purse, but you can get a side letter for several million more and then pay-per-view points on top of that. And that's probably the most you can get out of it. But that's, you know, but that's for a lot of people, that's pretty good. It's be, it beats 500,000, a couple hundred thousand a fight. It's good to make a few million. I mean, they should probably get more of it, but still that's the most you can get, but it, it takes a special formula you got to basically hold the title when you do it and be a draw. And you got to be this, this consistent pay-per-view star. Uh, that, that's all it takes, really. Wow. Oh, yeah. Surpri- so, surprise, yeah. surprise more people don't do it, right, John? <laughs> yeah, you're talking, you're talking like, I think, five fighters in the last five years that have had that type of leverage. Oh, my God. I love it. Well, we could talk forever. I got to let you go. John Nash from BloodyElbow.com. His Twitter handle, which I love, at hey, not the face. That's where you find him. John, thank you so much for your time, brother. Thanks, Jimmy. Talk to you later. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rios. SiriusXM Podcasts.